Bokatov, we're on Melachim Bet, chapter 6. And uh, we just had the story of, of uh, the, the, Elisha kept telling the king, Elisha kept telling the king where, uh, okay, so this is what we want to talk about today. Elisha kept telling the king of Israel where the king of Aram was laying a, a trap for him. And the king of Aram gets very frustrated, so he, so one of his, his, uh, his uh, advisors said, look, there's this Navi, Elisha, in Israel, who's, who could even tell the king what you're saying in your bedroom. Meaning that he's the call. There's no, you don't have an inside man give, giving inside information to your enemy. It's simply that they have a Navi. He says, okay, I want to get that Navi. So he sends his chariots and his soldiers. They find that he's in the city of Dotan. They say, let's go surround Elisha. So, Elisha, so they surround Elisha. And then... And then... Um, uh, the servant of Elisha says, look, we're surrounded. So Elisha says, don't worry, we're not surrounded. If you open your eyes, you'll see that all of the, the divine army is on our side. And then he opens his eyes, he sees the divine army on his side. In the meantime, they blind the enemy. They blind the enemy that's surrounding Elisha. And then Elisha brings them to Samaria. And then the king says of Samaria, says, should I kill these people? And Elisha says, are you the one who captured them, that you deserve to be the one to kill them? No, instead give them food. Give them food and make them a big pot. And they ate and they drank and they went to their master and they did not go against Israel anymore. Okay? Very interesting ending. So, we were kind of confused a little bit yesterday about why Elisha is giving these people food. Um, and we were like, this is so weird. Why treat your enemies like this? So there are two lessons that Elisha is trying to teach. First of all, it's a lesson of Yericho. The lesson of Yericho and the story of Achan, that we've seen very long time ago in the book of Yehoshua, that whenever Borei Olam wins a war for you, in general, according to the rules of Am Yisrael in battle, you do not take any spoils and do not take anything for yourself. Okay? So if Borei Olam is the one who fights the war, let him do the killing. The same way Am Yisrael went on, her, on Yam Suf, the sea split and Borei Olam killed their enemy, Am Yisrael did not kill their enemy. When, when Borei Olam fights your wars for you, Borei Olam is the one who does the killing, you don't, you don't have the right to kill anyone. Okay, so that's the first basic lesson. And if you try to take the spoils of war that Hashem fought for you, then you're in trouble. Okay? And that's the story of Achan. So Elisha is trying to teach the king of Israel, you didn't do anything here. Acknowledge that it was all Borei Olam who defeated your enemy. And, <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> and because of that, you're not, you're not allowed to touch the enemy. Now, what is this whole thing about giving them food and giving them a feast and treating them nicely? So he said that's a very strange thing. In fact, it's, it goes very against what kind of like we've come to the realization is necessary with our enemies in Israel today, yeah. right? So, I mean, first of all, there's obviously a difference between enemies like the ones of Aram who are probably not motivated by anti-Semitism but by military conquest and they're probably hired soldiers versus people that, are, that have been brainwashed and have a deep-seated animosity towards Jews and hate Jews to their core and, and have been brought up to only want one thing and that's death of Jews and don't seem to have any concern for life or concern for death even. And they don't even care about their own death. That there's only so many things you could do in order to defeat the kind of enemy like that. And you need a little bit more ruthlessness. So that's what we're dealing with in Israel today. However, something that you have to realize about these people that Elisha is giving them food. These, by the way, should we open the door? I don't know. Like, it just keeps interrupting. The... There's nothing for people here. There's no more than yet. No worries. Uh, sorry. So... No. So, um, so, but one thing we have to realize about these people that, that were 
sent by Aram is that now that Elisha has defeated them and he brought them to Shomron, these are prisoners of war. These are prisoners of war. These are captured people. And there's a very big difference between how you combat an enemy who's trying to kill you and how you treat the enemy once they were unsuccessful in killing you and you've trapped them and put them in prison. And Elisha, in this case, is going with the route of being overly kind to the prisoners of war. Again, because we're not necessarily dealing with people that hate Am Israel to their core. We're dealing with people that are a part of an army that was sent on a, on a mission of conquest. Right? right? So to say that you treat prisoners of war nicely, like what Elisha is doing here, it's not, it's not like he's saying don't defeat your enemy. There are two different things. There is defeating your enemy in the course of battle... And there is how you treat the enemy once they've been defeated and have surrendered with a white flag. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the enemy that just waved the white flag. They've been completely defeated by Elisha. And Elisha's, and the king says, should I kill them? And what are you talking about kill them? They're waving a white flag. Why would you kill people that are surrendering to you? That's not how we engage in war. That's not how we engage. And that's exactly how Medinat Israel does things. We don't, we don't torture. In fact, you want to hear a fascinating thing. Um, in World War II... The Germans were being attacked on the Eastern Front by the Soviet Union and on the Western Front by the British and the Americans, okay? So the Soviets, they're, cra- they're crazy. So they would like torture their prisoners of war. The Americans, they were very kind to the prisoners of war. They, they didn't torture them or anything. They just took them and, you know, you remove them from the battlefield so that they're no longer killing you. So many of the Germans fled... They, when they saw the Soviets were encroaching, they knew that the Americans were encroaching from the West, so they all started fleeing West so that they could wave their flag to the Americans instead of waving the white flag to the Soviets. If they would have been caught by the Soviets, they would have been in, in big trouble. So they went to the American side, and it's, it, honestly, it's a very interesting, um, it's an interesting story, like a uh, way of telling the character of a nation. How do they treat their prisoners? Do they torture their prisoners of war, like Yemak Shemal and Hamas? Or... Do they, you know, just keep them prisoner? You know, give them what they need, okay? So that's uh, the difference here. And I think that gives a little bit of insight into Elisha's story. Um, I was reading Alex Israel to get some more insight into these stories. And he was saying, you see a lot of similarities between this story and the splitting of the sea. How the, they are surrounded and then they don't see a way out. And then Elisha says, no, Boreo Lam's army is actually here. You just can't see it now. Open your eyes and you'll see. And how um, Am Yisrael also felt like they were completely stranded. And they had no way out. But then Boreo Lam opened their eyes and the sea split. And Boreo Lam's army was there for them. His quote-unquote army. Uh, he also compares the fact that the previous story where Elisha got the, the axe to come up to float on top of the water with a piece of wood. So he compares that story to, uh, there's a Midrash that compares Moshe Rabbeinu's getting the bones of Yosef out of the Nile also to how he was able to throw something in and when he threw that thing in, then the bones flew, uh, floated to the top. So there's a Midrash that compares those two incidents. So that's also an interesting thing to ponder is the relationship between that Midrash in which Moshe brings the bones of Yosef to the surface of the water and the story here in which Elisha gets the axe to come up. Okay? So... That's the end of that story. Now, the king of Aram is going to come back a second time. The, Midrashim, the, the Mepharshim asked, I thought you just said that the king of, of Aram left. We just gave his, his soldiers food. Don't they love us now? They don't love us. This is, could be, according to some opinions, many years later. Yeah. Or, 
um, I don't know. There are, uh, there are other opinions. As to, uh, the, the question is actually asked, how, why Ben Adad, King of Aram, comes back after we said that they didn't come back. So, he brings his whole army and he comes and he, and he does a siege against Shomron. Now, I, I remember one of the other opinions. One of the other opinions says that he didn't come back in his usual way, which was to send like a little platoon or brigade to go and uh, attack. This time he came back for real, which was his full army. Okay, so he comes, his full army, and they at least siege around Shomron. Isn't Naaram the one that was fighting? Naaman. Naaman. Naaman was the man who had uh, the leprosy, and then he gave his leprosy to Gehazi. Oh, oh, oh. so who came and fought us? Um, Who came and fought us? We had a war recently with Moab. No, the one that came. (coughs) Who who did Elisha lead uh, to Samaria? The soldiers of uh, Abaram, these people, the oh, same people. It was. Yeah, it's the same people. Yeah. Okay. And it was after this, like the Ben Adad gathered his whole army and they lead siege to, to Samaria. And there was a massive uh, uh, hunger in Shomron. Why? Because there was a siege. Until the head of a donkey, notice a donkey is a non kosher animal. Yeah. So the head of a donkey was selling for 80 shekel, which is a lot of money, and it's not even the part that has any meat. It's like the eyeballs and the, and the teeth and the mouth. and right. It's like it's not the best part of the donkey. Sold for 80 shekel. And what is it? I think they say this is the droppings of, of a squirrel or something. What, what's the thing? Do, do you have a translation there? Yeah, it says... And the drop, the droppings dunk, of a dove. Because the dong was, I think the relax says that. Uh, they say it had wheat in it. No, it was to, uh, for fuel because it was. Right, there are two opinions. To, Some uh, say that the fuel was selling the the dung of the of the yonot of the of the doves, the poop of the doves was selling for five shekel, which is a lot of money. Now, some say they were using it for fuel, and some say it was because they would eat whole grains, and then the grains would go through their system and would be found whole in their dung. So people would look through it to try to find kernels of wheat. Right. Okay. And then the king of Israel is passing by the wall, meaning somewhere in the city, and a woman cries out to him and says, Please, my master, the king, save me. Uh, so he says, um, it's, he said, I can't save you. Hashem is the one who can't save you. Hashem is the one who's not, who's not in a position to save you. How can I save you? What, should I go get food from you from the, from the threshing floor or from the wine press? And then he calms down the next pasuk, pasuk. And then the king says, okay, what do you want? Uh, and then she says, "Haisha azot amra elai taniat benich benochelenu hayom, beet beni nochal machar." And she said, "This woman said to me that tonight we should eat. Today we should eat my son, cook my son and eat him, and tomorrow we'll eat your son, or sorry, meaning we'll eat her son." Okay. Pasuk kaptet vanevashelat beni vanochelenu. And then we cooked my son. We ate my son. And then we said the next day, "Okay, give me your son to eat taniat benich benochelenu v'tachbiat bena." And then the next day he said, okay, it's time to eat your son. And she hid her son. Meaning this was the fight between the women. Two women had two sons. One woman says, okay, let's, let's share our sons. Let's eat our sons. 
you could cook your son tonight and eat him, and then tomorrow we'll do mine. And then she says, we did my son, we cooked him and ate him. And then the next day, we wanted to have mine, and, and she, we wanted to have hers, and she didn't allow me to have hers. She, she hid her son. It's, it's, it's so depressing. You've been talking about this, I'm, I'm getting a little bit nauseous. But, um, but what's the idea? First of all, why, what, why, it's, the whole point is to show how bad the starvation was in Samaria. Yeah. It's all, it's all, hopefully it's exaggeration, this whole thing, where 80 shekel for the head of a donkey, 5 shekel for poop of a bird, and women fighting over whose son they should cook and eat. You know, that's the situation we're in. Um, Now, I'm I'm hoping that the cooking of kids was after they died. I I really hope they weren't like burning them alive and then cooking them. Just makes me sad to think that Am Yisrael in their history had ever done such a thing, you know? Does humanity get to that point in their starvation where they start cooking their kids? Wouldn't you just die before you do that? Doing that. I, would, would you ever get to the point where you actually did that? Not you, I'm saying like Does, does, human, does a human that loves their child Who is starving Are they really driven to the point where they could do that to their own to child? I'm sure there are people that turn to cannibalism But do the Have you ever, have you ever does, does been a so parent, hungry you want to die? Or that you, have you ever been have you been so hungry? No, that that's why. That's why I'm trying to. I'm trying to see. Like, is that really where humanity goes when I've they're starving? Wanted, I've never wanted to die if I was so hungry. Does humanity actually go there? I mean, I know. I'm. I'm sure there are humans that they're. If they're that hungry, they'll start. Yeah. Right. They'll. They'll go to cannibalism. But does does the mother who loves her child go there? Don't they have the ability to just lay off doing that? Okay, it makes me very depressed thinking about it. Okay, Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen, amen. Also, um, the